This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, and here at the Finding Holy Podcast, we want to help you connect the dots between the things that really matter in your everyday holy life. So this is a podcast for you if you long for a life that feels spacious, but you're stuck with dishes and laundry and a to-do list a mile long. This is a podcast for you if you long to integrate what you know with who you are and how you live. And this is a podcast for you if you need a gentle invitation into the ways of Jesus right in the middle of your actual life. So here on the podcast, you'll join authors, pastors, artists, and activists to hear how they connect the big things of life into the ordinary habit of their days. And to help you on your journey, you'll also get one small step at the end of each episode to take with you into your week. And you'll get to hear their laundry routines because all these big things matter, but so does the laundry. And here is a little bit more about my special guest today. Today, we are honored to have the women of Risen Motherhood. Emily Jensen and Laura Wiffler are in the trenches of motherhood right alongside their readers. With a combination of accessibility, relatability, and solid biblical knowledge, Emily and Laura have a knack for simplifying complex biblical truths, revealing how they relate and apply to everyday life. As the co-founders of the Risen Motherhood Ministry and co-hosts of the Chart Topping Podcast, God has consistently and powerfully used the voices of these two moms as a vehicle to captivate women around the world with the gospel. As sister-in-laws, Emily and Laura both live in central Iowa with their families. It was such an honor to speak with these two women. Their book, Risen Motherhood, is one that I love and have given away to friends, and you will enjoy this conversation. It is the book that I would have desperately clung to, especially as a new mom. So whether or not you have children, whether or not that is your reality, I invite you to listen in to begin to practice what it looks like to apply our faith to our actual everyday holy lives. Here's my conversation with Emily and Laura. All right, I am so excited to welcome the ladies of Risen Motherhood. We have Laura Whistler and Emily Jensen on Finding Holy Podcast today. So welcome, ladies. Thank you. We are thrilled to be here. Yeah, thanks for having us. You are so welcome. It's really fun. So tell us a little bit about your whole project of Risen Motherhood. Where did it start from? What was the need and kind of where has it grown today? Sure. Yeah, I can, I can start. This is Laura and oh goodness. Risen motherhood is about five years old. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're about five years old now. So that is pretty wild to think about, but, uh, about five years ago, Emily and I were actually living separate. So I was living in Chicago and Emily was in central Iowa and we were both moms of fairly young children, maybe two or three years old. And we had each two or three of them. And um, we were starting to have these conversations on Boxer. It's a voice app that a lot of people use. And we were asking each other, 
okay, why does, why does the gospel matter? Why does my faith matter in this moment? You know, we were dealing with the typical questions of motherhood, everything from how do I, you know, select what diapers to use, to what food to feed, to discipline strategies, to even just my own grumpiness and seeing my own sin. And so we were having these conversations and we were both kind of blogging parallel at the time on our own personal platforms. We both really loved communication and we realized that uh, we were having these same conversations with other friends. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. just us that were talking about this or asking these questions. We started to realize that, no, actually, almost every mom is wondering, you know, what is my purpose? What is my goal? How do I I make these decisions? What's the framework? And so because we love to communicate and we had wanted to have a project together, we thought, hey, let's air these conversations and see where it goes. And so that was really the inception of Risen Motherhood. It was simply a podcast. It didn't have all of these other platforms or outlets that you see now. But over the years, God has just been so gracious to grow it and to form it. And we have a team of seven now. Uh, We have articles that we produce on our site each week. We have social media platforms. We produce free equipping resources. And then last fall, we just came out with our first book, you know, Mm -hmm. aptly titled Risen Motherhood. Um, (laughs) But it's it's been a joy and really fun. And I think that it's been really neat to see that we are able to not... Guess what I'm trying to say is Emily and I don't come from a spot of saying, hey, we're the older, wiser woman in your life, or we're the one who knows it all. We try to come from a spot that says, hey, we want to walk alongside you. We want to link arms with you. We want to figure this out and think about how to think critically about motherhood and the gospel. And so that's really where we've come. And it's been amazing to see, uh, you know, really hundreds of thousands of women who want that same thing and Mm. are pursuing the gospel in motherhood. And so that has been a joy and a gift and something that we are thankful to have so many comrades in a way out there, all, all hoping for to bring the gospel into their homes Mm -hmm. and in their motherhood. Mm -hmm. So one quick question I have is how do you make sure that the gospel answer doesn't become like a formula, like for you um, in your own lives? I know for me, that is the lens through which we try to like focus all of our, you know, different parts of ourselves as mothers, as parents. My husband's a church planter, so in ministry and in writing and speaking and all of these sorts of things. But sometimes it can feel like, okay, I'll just tack the Jesus answer on <laughs> to my real life and our hearts aren't really changed. So yeah, if you guys could speak to how do you make sure that when you're trying to view motherhood in the lens of the gospel, that it's not just here's my little Jesus answer. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great question because kind of our flesh wants to find the quick fix or the quick tip. And so even something like saying creation, fall, redemption, consummation. Oh, now I have a formula. I'll just insert my problem into, Right, right. we we can start to crutch on that. So I think Mm -hmm. that's a very real challenge, but um, actually, recently, I've been reading a great book by uh, David Pallison that Laura had recommended to me about how sanctification works. Mm-hmm. And what I love about it is that he talks about how even the gospel or saying, just remember you're saved or just remember the gospel can become a pat answer. Right. And one of the ways that we uh, kind of get away, move away from that is by mm-hmm. enjoying the whole counsel of God in its individual pieces and letting God use those specific verses and stories and illustrations and scripture in our lives and our unique circumstances to reveal, you know, his will, the son to us exactly where we're at. And he has a picture of a house that's really helpful. And he talks about all the different things that God is using to work together to shape us and turn us more into the image of his son. Mm. And it's broader than just 
remember the gospel or remember right. that you're a sinner, remember that Christ died for you. Um, it's, it's being involved in a community of believers and having these conversations one-on-one with people and hearing about people's experiences and applying different uh, facets of wisdom to our lives. And it's, it's reading his word day by day. I was even thinking this morning, I was reading in kind of an obscure passage in the Psalms. And I came across one of these verses, I think it was Psalm 147, talking about, you know, that God doesn't delight in like the strength of horses or in the legs of men. And it was neat to think God used that obscure voice to remind me that it's not the things that I bring to the table or, um, you know, my nice clothes or my, my tips and tricks. It's really that he delights in my fear of him, my steadfast love of him. Mm-hmm. And so yes, is the gospel in that and undergirding that? Absolutely. But as we are in the word each and every day and we're walking with God and we're living in a community of believers, he's shaping us through the whole counsel of his word in different ways. Mm -hmm. I love it. That's really helpful. In what ways do you think that some of the conversations around motherhood are really anti-gospel and even like in Christian circles where we kind of get this stream of like, you do you and like, go have a spa day. Like, how is that ultimately unhelpful for parents? How do we kind of balance some of those? Like, yes, you need to not just totally fall into a puddle of yourself, but at the same time, like we do need to take care of ourselves. So where, how have you kind of helped walk women through that, either yourself or each other in your relationship? Yeah. What does that look like? Yeah. Well, I love that, you know, we talk about the upside down kingdom and the gospel. And so a lot of times the wisdom of the world is a half truth. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. separating out you know, the truth in there and then the lies. So self-care is a great example, right? Like, oh, you just need to take care of yourself. You just need me time. Um, And so as we would look at something like that, I think it's counseling one another to say, okay, give yourself fully to Christ. You have died with him. You've been raised with him. You're walking with him and trust God's plan to care for you. Well, that's what God's plan to care for us is that we would rest one day in seven is that um, we would uh, come away with him and have time in the word, which is like our spiritual food. Mm-hmm. It's that we would uh, sleep because God never sleeps and he never slumbers, but we can rest. And, and so I think it's just reorienting that perspective mm-hmm. oftentimes because um the half truth can be deceiving. I don't know. What would you add, Laura? Yeah, no, I think that's, that's really good. And I think that we often, um, you were talking about in Christian circles and secular circles, you know, we're often looking for what are the things that I need to do to be told that I'm a good mom or that I'm adequate or I'm enough for my family. And that I feel like I'm, I'm just doing a good job in all of life. You know, we're all looking for the secret sauce. And often I think about that as, um, it's, it comes back to misplaced worship, you know, and we're thinking about, well, what am I aiming for? What am I going for? Where's my identity being found and trusting that, um, 
it's not on Instagram. It's not from my neighbor. It's not my mother-in-law who's like this wonderful cook or mother or whatever it may be, but that we have been declared good and righteous by Jesus Christ if we are in him and we trust him. And so that never changes. It doesn't change based on the parenting trends, based on self-care trends, exercise, whatever it may be, but it, it remains steadfast and never changes. And so when our hope is anchored there and when our identity and source of, um, being enough is rooted in Jesus Christ, then we don't have to sort of waffle all over based on whatever. Maybe our church is saying, you know, culturally in that moment that everybody should homeschool, everyone should private school, everyone should public school, whatever it may be. But instead we can stay steadfast knowing that actually God has called me to make disciples, to, you know, to, to be fruitful and multiply and to, um, to love those around me and to love him. And that can look a lot of different ways. It's Mm -hmm. not, really formulaic. It's right. instead it, it has a lot of freedom within it for the individual families that God has placed us each in with our personalities, our own sin tendencies, our own struggles. God knows those things and we can rest secure in the hope of the gospel there. What have you found that's been helpful for you just kind of in your daily routines um, for the two of you, you know, especially as now risen motherhood has become like a thing, right? It's not just <laughs> like, hey, we're just trying to have conversations about the gospel with people. (laughs) Um, How do you kind of balance both like kind of the success that, you know, your book and your podcast and just the running of the business um, Mm -hmm. now has been uh, with your own motherhood and your own kind of, I need to keep reorienting myself and identity as God's child. Mm -hmm. Does that look like for you, like on a daily basis? How do you kind of structure your time, you know, so that you are keeping the main things, the main things. Yeah. Emily and I often talk about what is the the scaffolding mm-hmm. holding up mm-hmm. the whole structure mm-hmm. and what is beneath that. And I remember one time Emily gave a picture I maybe you would read it somewhere, but of someone kind of punching a hole and is it empty or is it full, you know, and is it, is it solid or is it just, does it give way? And that's something that um, we talk about frequently is that we really know that we have to make time to have real authentic and true relationships with the Lord in order to be able to pour out, especially because often Emily and I are talking about well, how can we do ministry? And that might be just in our homes and that may be public, whatever the Lord has for us. But how do we remain faithful to do ministry for the long haul for 50 years? Because yeah. we want to say at the end of our days, we gave it all and, and we stayed steadfast because we know that we are as prone to anyone, not we are as prone to anyone to apostasy, to, to falling away. And we want to recognize that, that yeah. our faith is... Um, it's dependent on the Lord, but like we, we don't know what the future holds. And so what things can we do today that set us up to have a strong and firm foundation that give us that scaffolding? And so I know for both of us, it really is prioritizing time in the word. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely spending time in prayer. It's, you know, as we, our kids have gotten older and been able to sleep more, I, um, we both spend, you know, half an hour, hour a day in the word of God as much as we can. It's not perfect, not every day. And this right. wasn't our history. Please right. know, <laughs> moms and littles, if you're listening, you know, yeah. this is not a, this is what it has to be. But we're mm-hmm. so thankful to have the opportunity mm-hmm. to set aside real time. Um, I think that, I don't know what else, Emily, maybe you can keep building on this. I feel like there yeah. are a hundred answers I want to right. give. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, well, I, I wish I go back to over and over again when we, kind of started Risen Motherhood and it first started growing, I sat down with a couple of elders from our church and we were just talking about this ministry and what God was doing. And one of them looked at me across the table and said, wouldn't it be a terrible shame if you became famous for a ministry 
about gospel-centered motherhood, but your own children didn't feel like you lived the gospel in your own home. Yeah. And he was not accusing me of anything. He was just saying, like, as we look ahead, yeah. I want you to keep this ministry in your home, to your own family, in your own community, more than I want you to have this public acclaim or whatever. And yeah. I probably think about that uh, statement that he made every few weeks. And I just remember God shows no partiality. He doesn't value one type of ministry more than another. And so guess what? I don't get to check out <laughs> I think in the morning and go, yeah. well, psh, this is, you know, whatever. And then my ministry that I do over here where I'm talking over a podcast is so important. It's like, no, God cares about my heart and that I am acting like Christ in every single moment when I'm changing a diaper, when I'm having a conversation with my husband, when I'm going to pick up my son from school and I'm interacting with the teachers, like that ministry is just as important as any other type of ministry that I do. And I don't know what God is doing and I don't know what's big and what's small. And so mm. my job is just to be faithful. Mm. Well, I've learned that in order to be faithful to Laura's point, like, I guess I've, I've run and I've gotten tired and I've just kind of sat down by the side of the spiritual road and been like, I don't know, I'm, I'm worn out. How am I going to keep running? And the only way I know how is to spend significant time in God's word every day mm. to take at least, you know, one day every week to truly kind of rest and focus on the Lord to invest significant time in my own local church community to read good books, to engage in great conversations with other believers. Like, so basically, I feel like what I've done lately is just dump out the jar of my life that's like, here's all the stuff I need to do, dump it out. And then I've been putting back in the things that like non-negotiable. I spend time with the Lord, non-negotiable. You know, I'm involved in my local church, non-negotiable. I love my kids well, whatever those things are. Okay, now what else fits? And I think we're learning to say that is going to determine the sustainable pace of ministry mm -hmm. um, outside the home or the community, the other different things that we do, and to just trust the Lord with that instead mm -hmm. of thinking, like, I'm different than everybody else. Maybe I can <laughs> right. pick up because we're not, you right. know? Yeah. Well, got a little passion and there. Another thing, no, <laughs> no, it was so good. Another thing we have often asked ourselves is, how do we live a quiet life? Mm. And what we mean by that is how do we live counterculturally? You know, we did just come off a pretty big year at Risen Motherhood. We became a nonprofit for the very, for the very first time, like as if that would happen twice, but you know, we, we, became, <laughs> we became a nonprofit. We added members to our team. We launched our book and it was a very high point for the ministry and for our own uh, personal ministries. And I think that Emily and I have said, okay, let's take a breather. What What is countercultural here? Well, the culture would say, go, write another book, do more things. But instead, we've actually said, okay, how do we step back and make sure the main things are the main things? Mm -hmm. and, and how do we say we trust God for the success of the ministry? Nancy Wolgamuth would always say to us that um, we need to take care of the depth of the ministry and God will take care of the breadth. And that is something that I think we have really tried, you know, not perfectly, but have tried to live by is that how do we take care of the depth of the ministry and our own spiritual walks and our mm -hmm. own core nuclear families that God has entrusted to us? No one else can mother them. So how do we okay. do that? And then 
you know, everything else will flow from there. And we trust that, hey, we may not grow as fast as somebody else. We may not be meeting people's expectations for putting out another product, but we trust that God will set the work before us as he wants it there. And that what we can focus on is how do we humbly lay down our lives day after day, not our own dreams, not our own ambitions, but lay down our lives for the cause of Christ. And most often that seems for me to happen in the home, you know, Mm -hmm. like it is far easier to write a book quietly all by myself than to maintain a good attitude in the mudroom in the morning when I'm trying <laughs> yep. to go to school, you know? Yep, yep. And so I know that like that is where so often mm-hmm. it seems like the, the, the sanctification is happening is, is more so it seems in my own home. And mm-hmm. anyway, there's, we, yeah. we got really passionate. We have a lot of thoughts about ministry. I love it. We could talk forever. Oh my gosh. We'll be back in just a minute with the rest of our interview. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. And here's the rest of our conversation. Tell us, as your children have gotten older, you know, as you have, as your kids age, what do you, what are you finding the challenges kind of of this next stage of motherhood? Um, and for where I am, I feel like I, there's a lot of women who are just lonely, right? There's like mm-hmm. a, a different loneliness as, as their children have aged and trying to figure out how to let go of your kids and have them mm-hmm. grow into responsible people. Yeah, what have been some of the challenges as your kids mm-hmm. have gotten older? Yeah. I think that's a great question. And I feel very much like on the precipice of like yeah. new challenges to your point. And one of the things I've been kind of paying attention to more lately is just the need to keep investing in my marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you, sometimes you come out of the whirlwind of like baby, toddler, preschool, toddler, baby. And everybody is like all hands on deck and like, you know, go right to bed when you can. And, and there's just yeah. a lot of exchanging information with one another. And I think my husband and I have been blessed to have a great marriage, but I think there has been in the last you know year or two more times where we've gone, oh, wow, let's step back here. Yeah. Like, are, are we still engaged with one another? Do we still have mutual interests? Do we still love and enjoy one another? And so I see that as something I want to continue to mm-hmm. cultivate mm-hmm. Um, as our kids get older, because I can see that temptation to mm-hmm. grow stagnant in that and be like, man, we're, we're going to be fine. Like, let's keep focusing on our kids. And then I think the other thing that has been on my mind lately is just really starting to see the the discipleship nature of parenting and that now we're starting to really chisel away and fine tune like the heart attitudes and the tone of voice and 
like, especially our oldest child, you know, he's, he'll do something if you ask him to do it. He's got that down. Mm-hmm. But the frown may come out. The tone of voice may come out where we're like, oh, we're not doing this joyfully or we're seeing like a selfish nature or he's asking questions about his faith that I'm like, whoa, I need to go like do some research on that and look that up. Yeah. Um, We were reading, he got in a book from the library and looking pictures at ancient Egypt and, you know, all these questions are coming out about their gods and, well, how do we know about our God? You know, and just thinking like, wow, this is significant life on life, everyday discipleship, answering their questions and realizing they really are watching and comprehending what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think when they're like two or three, you're kind of like, I don't know, they're, they're involved <laughs> in their block this. tower <laughs> over there. And you kind of feel like they're not really picking up on that. But seeing, I think, and even my oldest child, like he's really watching how I'm interacting with the Lord. He's mm. really watching the way that I'm speaking to people around me and I hear him sometimes imitate things that I do or whatever right. to go, Ooh, like, <laughs> right. Yeah. It matters what yeah. my life looks like. So those are just mm-hmm. some things swirling mm-hmm. around in my mind. Mm-hmm. about you, Laura? Well, I would echo both of those. I think they're great, especially the discipleship one. I've, I've definitely been thinking about that, but um, to give a different one, I think one thing would be boundaries and protection mm-hmm. as they are gaining more freedoms. Mm-hmm. I'm finding it hurting my mama heart that, oh man, they're going to be exposed to more and we're dealing with more influences and outside uh, just exposure to things that maybe I don't want them to have, or I don't feel ready for them to have. And so mm-hmm. I think that's been something that as they've gotten a little bit older that I've had to first and foremost, remember, you know, who do I trust as sovereign and Lord over my child's life? And do I really believe that God loves my children and knows what's best for them more than I do? And some of, so some of those questions have been tested, I think for me. Mm. Um, But then in addition, just really figuring out, as Emily was saying, I suppose it leads right into discipleship. Well, okay, when these things do happen and when they encounter something that they have questions about or they don't understand or feels like, goodness sakes, you're too young to have seen that or dealt with that or um, to understand that is how do I explain through a gospel view, through with the undergirding of scripture, why things are the way they are and, and what we're to do about them and how to respond with, with Christian love and kindness and giving everyone dignity and respect and, mm-hmm. and high value. And so I think those are just things where I'm like, man, this is really me needing to be able to understand how to say what I believe and why I believe it. And, and encourage them that to see this is the good way, like Proverbs talks about, you know, what is the good way? What is the good path? And to help them grow in wisdom and in fear of the Lord. And I feel like, I will feel like that is a very scary and hard task. Mm -hmm. Then it goes back full circle of, well, who do I trust? Who do I believe is sovereign over my kids' lives Mm -hmm. and their faith ultimately? And so I suppose it's one big circle, but that's definitely something that I'm processing through and working through and just praying that God would give me Mm -hmm. um, just peace in the midst of it. Right. You know, because I think even it's a little bit more obvious, maybe in the little years that we can parent out of fear, right? You can yeah. like the the kind of frenetic activity and like, am I feeding my kid right? Do I have the right yeah. diapers or like the sleep schedule? And like some of that, I think is just, we're so worried, right? Because we love our children and yeah. it turns into fear um, is how it, how it kind of is produced. But I think as they get older, there's still that that fear right that we need to work with Jesus about like what yeah. like really I am I'm freaking out about all of these things because really I am just so scared that yeah. something 
bad's going to happen, yeah. you know, yeah. and that God can't use it and redeem right. it, even if it does happen. But, right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I have to remind myself what a gift it is to be able to give them a safe space to work through hard things. Mm. We are not promised the easy life, right? We are not right. promised that. We know we live under the curse. We know that there is sin in our own hearts and that they're going to hit hard things. And so I find myself, thankfully, like, because God has given me this role, I hopefully, imperfectly, can give them a safe space to learn how to fail mm-hmm. and to learn how to be imperfect and how to trust God and how it's and kind of messy. Conflict and yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, that perfection is not the goal, right? It's yeah. <laughs> intimacy with God. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But it's so hard, right? Even for ourselves to do that, yeah. let alone like model that well for our children. Um, absolutely. But, what a gift. Um, tell us quickly what your re- like, what kind of resources would you recommend for moms? Um, that would be fun before we get to our fun final question. <laughs> okay. Besides yeah. your book, which is lovely and beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. It has such a pretty cover and I love all the gorgeous little flowers inside. Thank it's really you. a very pretty thing, which is nice. I feel like as moms, sometimes when we don't even get dressed, having a pretty book right. makes it. Yeah. Yeah. Just rest your eye on the book. You know, don't look at the mess. Well, I, I'll just answer real quick. I think in our very like resources, saturated culture resources are great. Uh, two things that have helped me lately, though, in terms of reading something that is rich and challenging and maybe feels a little bit more grown up or different than yes. what I encounter in a board book when I'm yeah. reading my toddler. Um, I've really been enjoying the value of vision. Mm-hmm. I know that's a well-known one, but it just helps me give words when my tired brain can't give words to mm. what I'm feeling or how I want my pot, my heart posture to be towards the Lord. Mm. I've been reading those and praying those both in the morning and in the evening as just really great bookends. And you know, it doesn't take long. It takes one to two minutes. So that'd be a resource I would encourage somebody to include in their time with the Lord mm-hmm. or throughout their day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man. You know, resources are like asking me to like, I don't know. It's, it's like amazing. I love resources. I love books. We're sitting in my library right now where we have all sorts of books. And so it's hard to, to narrow it down to just a few, but I think um, maybe two or three off the top of my head. One, I, I really appreciated the book Stepping Heavenward by Elizabeth Pretensis. Oh, Prentice. Prentice. Elizabeth Prentice. Um, it's an old book, kind of some older language, so be forewarned and prepared. <laughs> out a mother. Um, and it is a great book. You watch, you watch a woman grow up and um, mm. just her humility and desire to follow the Lord and understanding that often the highest place is the lowest path, I think comes out through that book and has just been really challenging for me and something that I've thought about often. And um, then I would also say, I really appreciate, these are really practical, but I have the Valmarie paper prayer journal that I use often and I record my prayers and gratitudes and things like that. And it just keeps me focused. I have to pray aloud or I will totally be thinking about something else. Right. Yeah. And then I won't remember to pray for those that I said to pray for unless I write it down. And so I feel like it keeps me on task yep. and um, helps me in those early morning hours. And then the Give Me Jesus journal by Wellwater Women, another mm-hmm. great quiet time resource. I think especially as moms, when you're tired, and you don't have a lot of time, it's helpful to have those little guided yeah. journals yep. in those moments um, to be able to prompt you to do the next thing. Mm, those are great. Thank you, guys. I want to know your laundry routines. And the reason I asked this question here on the Finding Holy podcast is 
like you guys are doing in Risen Motherhood, I really want to help women and men connect the dots between all of these big ideas, ideas about the gospel and faith and culture, right? And our actual lives where we have to do the laundry. Um, so I always love asking everyone's laundry routines. So Laura and Emily, will you tell us what your laundry looks like? Sure, I can start. Okay. Um, I don't think I have anything innovative that will be helpful for anyone, but essentially I do all the laundry in one day, so it'll yep. turn out to be about five loads. I didn't know this about you. Yeah. That's interesting. I mean, if I need something, I'll run a small load, but generally it's all done one day, cook it through. It will sit in a laundry basket for perhaps five days, maybe yep. three. This is, oh, I feel so bad. Three if I'm doing good. And then I will sit down, listen to a podcast and fold it all. And fold. And, yeah. Yeah. And I so mean, you better batches. Believe, yeah. And some of us are going into those, um, those laundry baskets and we are pulling out those clean clothes at times before they are folded. But I like to just have kind of peace and quiet. My youngest still likes to get in and unfold and help me fold things. And so it's not so fun doing it with her around. So I'm just yeah. usually waiting for an evening to be yeah. able to fold it all and cook it out and listen to mm. a podcast. Awesome. What do you do? Yeah, so I, I used to try the once a week thing, but our mountain was so high. <laughs> she was more kids. You think the word mountain, literally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it would take us like hours and hours and hours. So I I do about two loads of laundry every day. Oh my goodness. So I, <laughs> I, start a load, I start a load in the morning. So that's one of my first household chores when the kids go off to school is I gather up all the laundry start a load and whatever was in from the night before it gets moved up. Cause I do another load at night. Okay. So one load in the morning, one load at night. And then my goal is to fold one load every day, Ooh. but I would say I do it every other day because if I back it up any more than that, it takes, I mean, you're looking at four or five loads of laundry and it starts taking a really long time. So that, a whole podcast, 40 minutes or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anything that doesn't get done Saturday is laundry catch-up day, so you can tell how stressful my week has been <laughs> based on how many loads of laundry we have to yeah. do on Saturday. But if I don't do one to two loads every single day, like we're just, we're drowning. And then we started doing this thing for clothes where I pick out everybody's clothes for the whole week on Saturday. Wow. So Sunday through Friday, and they all get stacked up. So it's critical that I have my laundry done on right. Saturday because that, that I've got to stock the whole week of outfits so that I don't have to think about it throughout the rest of the week. So can we pause here for just one minute and make <laughs> note that a long time ago, right around when Where's the Motherhood was starting, mm -hmm. Emily had a laundry video. Oh my. Oh, Do you remember this? Oh yeah. And they would roll the clothing for the day, rubber band it. Mm -hmm. Or you would you would rubber band mm -hmm. all the outfits. I uh, that would be how I would fold my laundry. So my husband. And this video, can we just, we have positive. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this video went like a lot of people watched it. Oh, like it. mini, mini, that mini, mini, mini viral. Viral is a strong term. You know, you're not really supposed to use that unless it's like millions and jillions. Yeah, definitely not that. But I mean, a definitely lot. the most popular thing. And we get people who come us and say, hey, where's so Emily's laundry people. video? <laughs> we're, so anyway, so people, yeah. Yeah. So we, my husband is like, and has an engineering background and he's super into like systems. Yeah. Why I'm now into systems. Yeah. And so one of the systems that we tried early on, I think this was before we had our fifth child was that everything would be paired as an outfit and would be rolled into an outfit bundle as you're folding your laundry so that then you could theoretically right. go tell the child, like, just go grab your outfit. Right. But I got tired of 
doing the, the roles. You said it took a lot of time. It took a lot of time. And then like everything had to be clean at the same time yes, to make right. the outfit. Right. And like, we all know that like kids get their pants dirty and then you wash their pants and then you wash their shirt separate. And like, I couldn't keep outfits, you know, together. together. Yes. You, hear, you heard it here. I love that when somebody, when you hear about like this great method and then somebody's yep. like, Hey, here's why it's impractical for our daily life. It works yeah, for right. some people, but I also appreciate mm-hmm. when there's like a, Or like, this worked for a season. It doesn't work now. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Whereas I'm like, I need to make my children start folding. And yeah. Yes. Yes. I'm like, this is the new, you know, the new system, the new challenge. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so fun to talk to you guys. Thank you for encouraging women to love Jesus first and foremost and to find their identities in him. Um, and have motherhood just be like a flowing out of who you are. So thank you guys for being here. It's been such a pleasure. Absolutely. Thanks for having us. Yes, thank you. are welcome. How about that laundry routine of Emily Jensen's? Oh my goodness. That's so impressive. We all have, now I have aspirational goals. Um, But I wanted to leave you guys with one small step because it's great to talk about the ideas and even to talk about the transforming work of the gospel. But if we don't have something kind of practical to anchor us, it's really easy to have it just be something we simply think about, but we don't actually live. It hasn't sunk into our bodies, our minds, our souls, our spirit, and we don't really know how to actually connect the things of God to our everyday lives. So here, friends, is your one small step. This week, as you go about this very beginning six weeks of Lent, I want you to begin to imagine what sort of healing that you might need from Jesus over these next weeks as we prepare our hearts for Easter. And so think through maybe one gospel story where Jesus is touching or healing, where Jesus gets down and brings little children onto his lap, or he calls Zacchaeus down from the sycamore tree, where he notices and stops when the bleeding woman touches the hem of his robe and power is gone out from him as he spits in dirt and makes the blind see. What kind of healing do you need from Jesus? Which of those stories maybe kind of captures your own imagination? And in the busyness of your day, whether you are mothering or fathering, whether you're commuting, running, doing the dishes, or doing the laundry, think about turning over that story in your imagination. It's one way that we can take our practice of reading of scripture into our bodies and our imaginations. I love how Emily and Laura encouraged us to spend dedicated time in the Word of God. So I want to encourage you to do just that. Maybe you set a timer, say 10 minutes or 30 minutes or five minutes or two minutes. And during that time, simply read your Bible. You can work through a Bible reading plan. There's so many different things you can do, but maybe just work your way through the Psalms or Proverbs or one of the Gospels this season and choose to put the timer on and read. So I hope that you'll begin to think through how you can not only read God's word, but also how you can imagine yourself into it using the imagination that God has given you to respond to him and to ask him for healing this season. So let me know how it goes. I would be honored if you subscribe to the Finding Holy podcast. There are some great conversations in store, including a four-week series during the month of March on Lenten practices with my friend and author, Lori Ferguson Wilbert. You definitely don't want to miss those. We'll be talking about everything from embodiment and fasting and feasting to what does it look like to repent and live into a life of hope. 
It's going to be great. Make sure you subscribe right now to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. I'd love it if you rated and reviewed the podcast, and I'd love to give one of you a copy of Laura and Emily's book, Risen Motherhood. Click the link in the show notes. Let me know if you're a new subscriber and you could win their book. Remember, friends, whether you are a mother or a father, whether you are married or single, whether you find yourself flourishing or in deep despair, that your primary identity is as a child of God. And as a child, we get to actually come needy and broken, and we get to come with all of our dependencies, and that that too is a gift. I hope you'll join me for Lent, and in the midst of all of that, may you be blessed, friends. And remember, the big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast, two clergy of different traditions. Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.